Chapter 19 of A Boy Crusoe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Boy Crusoe by Alan Eric. Chapter 19 An Ancient Ruin, a Wonderful Discovery. The edges of the opening around the stone were crumbled and cracked, and after scraping away the accumulation of moss and mold, we found that we were able to remove a large piece of rock which left a space of sufficient depth to receive a lever. We hastened to the edge of the forest, where we selected a small tree of hard wood, which we felled, and from it we made a lever about fifteen feet in length. The larger end was flattened a little with the axe, in order that it should fit closely against the stone in prying it up. We next moved a large stone from the wall, which we placed about three feet from the aperture which was to receive the lever to act as a fulcrum then we lifted the great lever placed the flattened end into the aperture let it rest against the stone fulcrum and reaching up as near the elevated end of the lever as possible brought our combined weight to bear upon it the flat stone moved slowly upward and marjorie who stood near in her eagerness bent over the opening almost at the same moment she started violently back gasping for breath the foul air which rushed from the opening had nearly suffocated her Working together nearer the upper end of the lever, the stone was lifted a little higher, and Mr. Harborough was able to hold it while I placed a rock under the stone, which prevented it from falling back when the lever was released. We now gathered around the opening, which was not yet wide enough to enable us to see far below, but to our great astonishment we saw that a flight of stone steps led downward. Below all was dark. Foul air still came from the opening. We must wait for the air to purify before entering, I said and meanwhile we will procure lights. Why in the world did we not remove the cabin lamps from the vessel, exclaimed Mr. Harborough, if we only had them now? Come to the house, I said, and I will show you how we will procure a light. Hastening to the house, I opened my knapsack and held up the two binnacle lamps for the inspection of my companions, much to their amazement. Both were filled with oil, very little of which had escaped, as I had wrapped strips of sailcloth tightly around them, in answer to their inquiring looks, I reminded them that I had, for a long time, believed that some such discovery as the present one might be made, and that I had, unknown to them, packed the binnacle lamps, which had proved to be a fortunate act on my part. Taking them with plenty of matches, we returned to the ruin. Lighting a wisp of dry grass, I threw it into the opening. It fell to the bottom, where it continued to burn brightly, showing that the air was now pure. In the momentary glare of the burning grass, we saw that the opening was about eight feet deep. We now procured another stone from the wall, which we placed under the lever, increasing the height of the fulcrum so that we were able to lift the stone still further, and by pushing the lever around toward one side, we quickly swung the stone from the opening until it rested at one side. Lighting the lamps, we cautiously descended the stone stairs. They were covered with what seemed to be finely pulverized mold which had worked down from above but the dampness incident to an underground chamber rendered the steps somewhat slippery so we had to descend carefully there were ten steps reaching the bottom mr harborough and myself leading and marjorie bringing up the rear we found ourselves standing upon a solid floor deeply covered with fine mould but quite dry the floor of the chamber was evidently composed of stone laid very closely without mortar the roof was made of great flat stone, supported by two rows of pillars made of square blocks of stone, extending the length of the chamber. The walls, roof, pillars, and floor were all thickly covered with dust. 
searching along the walls we discovered at the further end four niches sunk into the wall about five feet and into the rear wall of each niche there was fixed a massive iron staple to which was fastened an iron chain of crude workmanship at the end of each chain there was a rough iron collar which was evidently designed to be fastened with a rivet stepping into one of the niches we discovered that the floor of it was thickly studded with sharp iron spikes which we found on clearing away the dust to be about two inches in height the purpose of the niches was apparent they were unquestionably designed as places of torture well must they have served their purpose for the wretched victim who on account of the short chain fastened to his neck could not lie down was compelled to stand constantly upon the sharp pointed spikes which would pierce and cruelly lacerate the feet to what period of the new world's history this dungeon belonged we could not even conjecture but judging from the style of architecture and the cunningly devised method of torture mr harborough who had seen the ruined forts along the spanish main had no doubt that this chamber was connected in some way with the old castilian days in this part of the world the west wall seemed to be perfectly smooth and unbroken but on the east side of the chamber we found a square stone measuring something like two feet each way being almost a perfect cube protruding halfway from the wall this was easily removed and thrusting it in one of the lamps we saw what appeared to be a square chest brushing away the dust which covered the end of the chest next to us we saw that it was of wood bound with bands of iron the whole being thickly studded with nails a treasure chest exclaimed marjorie oh it seems like the stories of the buccaneers an iron ring was fastened to the chest but when we took hold of it and tried to draw the chest toward us we found it to be so heavy that we were unable to stir it so i went to procure a lever which i cut from a small tree near the wall and returned with it to the chamber one end of the lever was inserted upward through the ring of the chest and we lifted it with our combined strength the chest was raised slightly and then the iron bands eaten by years of rust broke and the chest rotten with age fell apart marjorie was holding one of the lamps so as to illuminate the chest and as it broke open she almost dropped it while mr harborough and i dropped the lever and gazed at the broken chest and at each other in speechless astonishment for the aperture seemed to be full of gold coins we had discovered a treasure chest indeed the coins were of several sizes and all were covered with a brownish dust but gold they were and there were thousands and thousands of them we examined many of the coins on which the legends were plainly legible each one bore a male head on one side with dates ranging from fifteen seventeen to fifteen forty and on the reverse this superscription carlos i espana rex charles i king of spain we concluded that we had discovered a favorite trysting place of sea rovers who sailed these waters carrying death and desolation afloat and ashore under the protection of royal authority with the understanding that the spanish treasury should be enriched thereby here before us with no one else to claim it was wealth beyond our power to estimate it is utterly useless to us here said mr harborough as we discussed the importance of our discovery true i replied but as we have no intention of always remaining on this island it may prove to be of great service to us to this end we must consider what immediate disposal we will make of all this wealth and i continued as we replaced the stone in the aperture and withdrew from the chamber it seems to me that the first step toward ensuring to ourselves the future enjoyment of all this wealth should be to transport it to the cove and store it in our house this proposition of mine was the beginning of much discussion and consideration for several days thereafter 
during which it was definitely decided that the gold must be transported to our house at the cove and we began to consider how this task not a trifling one could be accomplished clearly there was but one sure and safe way and that to carry it there ourselves End of chapter 19